Hey friends, Heather Avis here. I'm excited to share with you about the Lucky Few Foundation, where we believe storytelling is the key to shifting the Down syndrome narrative. We believe sharing our stories fosters empathy and it creates a kinder, more inclusive world. One of the avenues in which we do this is through our foundation and our storytelling project called This is Down Syndrome. This is Down Syndrome is a unique storytelling machine that we use to shout the worth of people with Down Syndrome. It is a project positioned to tell real, diverse, and inclusive stories, stories which will get real people having real conversations, changing hearts and minds, and shifting narratives. Stories which not only benefit the Down Syndrome community, but strengthen our collective humanity because it's one thing to know about Down syndrome, and it's another thing entirely to know a person with Down syndrome. This is an invitation for you to help us create a world where everyone belongs. The Lucky Few Foundation believes storytelling is central to this mission, and we invite you to join us. Head to theluckyfewfoundation.org to learn more. Micah, how is the weather in New Jersey today? I love to talk about weather in the winter. Uh, listen, what I would really like is turn my computer around because two days ago, it was the start of spring. And I want to show you guys what's happening right now. But I don't Whoa. think you can see it. I can't get it. Can I get it? Can you I get can't. It? Oh. Can and you it, if this messes up the audio, <laughs> no, I can't see. <laughs> the audio's messed up, Micah. I can't hear you. Uh, oh, my oh, gosh. Wait, are we recording? Yes. Just wanted you to enjoy <laughs> how intro. beautiful this is. Can you Our intro is a shenanigan. So it's snowing in New Jersey. It's snowing in New Jersey. Maybe this is the last snow of the year. I doubt it. It's windy. It's going to be windy today. I hate the wind. It's my least favorite weather element. But you know what? Enough about that, you guys. We got some narratives <laughs> to shift. We got some worth to shout. And today's episode is going to be so good. Friends, welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. I'm here today with my friend Micah and another friend who I'm going to tell you about in a little bit. And Mercedes isn't with us this morning and we love her and miss her. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Before we get to our guest today, I some reminders. So we are in the month of March. I don't know that you needed to be reminded about that. I did. And, Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Wait, and World Down Syndrome Day is fast approaching. It's coming fast. It's on its way. Dun, 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 dun. We are over at the Lucky Few Foundation. We are sharing our stories. So we had the Cole series come out the 1st of March, and we did an interview with Cole on the podcast here. If you have not listened, I highly recommend. I mean, you, I almost feel like pause, yeah. go back and listen, come back here. Cole is a dream, lovely he human is being. Just, he's just so charming oh my and gosh. handsome. Yes. And I just could talk to him. It was day. great. It was fun to talk to his mom too. So if you do, yeah. and you can head over to the lucky few dot foundation on Instagram and see all of the photos of Cole and his mom and his dad and his roommate. One of his roommates, his sister, his brother-in-law. And then we started last week, um, the Milo series and Milo's a little guy. He's five with Down syndrome. His mom, Joe is actually the assistant here with us at the lucky few. And that series started last week. And that is 
so sweet. Go read those stories. They're really, really great. And you Joe know, was just recently on the yeah, podcast. And Joe's on the too. podcast last yeah. week. So yeah. this week we, so, okay. At, with the Lucky Few Foundation, we, and just here at the podcast, we have talked so much about the importance of storytelling. Ever since my first book came out, I'm sure you get this too. Also, Micah, as an author, that people want to know, how do I tell my story? How do I tell mm-hmm. my story? Should I tell my story? It's like, absolutely. You should. Why is it important? There's, I think there's this conversation I know within the Down syndrome community of people, like they have a thing they want to share yeah, and to be equipped to do that and to see the importance of it. So the whole, one of the biggest points of the lucky few foundation is to create a storytelling archive for people to see themselves in the down syndrome story and see themselves in the narrative, because we know it is knowing about down syndrome and knowing a person with down syndrome is totally different. And we want people to have access to people with down, real live people with down syndrome, not just the heroes and not just the mascots and not just the sad stories, all of the, all of the stories. So that's what we're doing at the foundation. And today we are so excited to have a real live storytelling coach with us. (gasps) Yeah. Before we do that though, I know I just gave everyone a little teaser. Mm -hmm. We need to read a review. It's review time. And I'm here for it. Are you ready? You should have a review time song, Micah. Review time. Can you give us a review and we'll share it and we'll be together as friends. Oh my gosh. You like it? <laughs> this is my favorite part of my day. I was like tuning into the seventies. <laughs> I feel like, like love makes the world go round. And That's so do of- reviews. And share a Coke. Like that whole hmm. vibe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Share a Coke, share a review. Yeah. That's it. Not sponsored by Coke. <laughs> no, no. Okay, here we go. We got Fry Girly. Fry Girly, this is a cute name. F-R-Y, girl with an L-Y. Uh, and Fry Girly says, these ladies are the best. I always step out of my car feeling encouraged and empowered as the mama of a child with Down syndrome. They cover so many topics that are relevant to building up and including our loved ones with Down syndrome. Yay. Thanks, Fry Girl. Yeah, Fry Girly, thanks for listening girly. in your car, wherever you're driving. We're glad that we get to join you. And we want to remind everybody out there to leave a review. Uh, review the show on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. We can read it aloud next week. We love sharing these and appreciate your support so much. And sharing is caring. Oh my gosh, and I knew you were sharing <laughs> makes the world go round. Share a Coke. Gosh, Okay. All right. Okay. 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 (laughs) That was great. That was good. All right, friends. So our guest today is a dear, dear friend of mine, like a friend, like family. Her name is Katie Casada. She is a speaker, a storyteller and a coach. And she's, like I said, my in real life friend. Um, She is also on the board for the Lucky Few Foundation where, as I've said, we focus on telling meaningful stories of individuals with Down syndrome and their loved ones in order to shift that Down syndrome narrative. And Katie is one of the most talented speakers that I know. And I remember the first time watching her on a stage and you just give Katie a mic and everyone is enthralled. She's so, so unbelievably gifted as a speaker. And then she's so gifted at coming alongside people and cheering them on. And to watch her step into her role as a storytelling coach. She's such a good coach. She's such a good storyteller. 
She knows her stuff. Expert in the house, Katie Casada. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Thank you, friends. A longtime fan of the podcast. So happy to be here with you guys. And I appreciate and love the story you're telling. So I'm so happy to be here. Love you back and feel all those things back. I love you, Katie Casada. Thanks for taking the time. All right. Tell our listeners about you. Tell us like your family, where you're at, maybe, and also your connection to Down syndrome. Yeah. So I'm currently in a backyard office in Orange, in Orange County, California. Um, Orange sweater on. And I'm wearing a sweater covered in oranges. It's very, I guess, on brand. Yeah. Um, Here you go. Um, So I'm here and my husband, Danny, and I have two little girls, Gracie and Lane. They are two and a half and five. And last week, one of them had lice. So it's just been, which is the original pandemic. Mm -hmm. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. That is the original quarantine, lock it down. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it's just been a long week with tiny children, tiny humans. Mm -hmm. That's how it feels right now. Um, I'm a speaker (laughs) and a storytelling coach and I am so thankful. I get to help people and companies tell better stories. Um, it kind of all was born uh, five-ish years ago now. I was a part of a large organization and I worked with Heather's husband, Josh, at mm-hmm. that organization. And I put on these large events uh, for women and hundreds of people would come and it was very fun. We'd bring in speakers or I would speak at them. And we brought in this woman named Dr. Tima Bryant Davis out of Pepperdine University, who's incredible. Follow her on every platform. And she said one Friday night from the stage, did you know that there's a Barnes and Noble of untold stories here in this room? And I felt this like really big conviction that I wasn't supposed to speak there anymore. And I wasn't supposed to bring in speakers anymore. I was supposed to teach everyday people to tell their stories. So we like flipped the script. And for the next two and a half years at these events, every month or every other month, a panel of women, um, usually three, a very diverse panel, always like, you know, a 70 year old black woman, a middle-aged Indian woman and a teeny bopper white girl on TikTok, whatever, like those people are on the stage. And I would behind the scenes at these events, meet with them individually, and they would tell me their life story and I would help them tell it in six minutes. So I did this over and over and over and over and over again. And then things went south of that organization. I was like, I got to go. So I quit that job. And someone was like, oh, aren't you going to miss speaking at these events? And I was like, no, well, I'm going to miss coaching people to tell their stories. And then I just said, I think I'm a storytelling coach. And I, and I simultaneously, my husband and I sold 90% of what we owned, moved into an RV. I got pregnant with my second daughter. Life was just wild. And I launched a story coaching business that super thankfully now works. So I get to consult people and companies to tell better stories. And I just help people condense information and make it concise and compelling is a lot of what I do. So I love what you both do because I think exactly what you were saying in the intro, Heather, like is what I'm wildly passionate about. I think we hear the same three people tell stories over and over and over again, and the same two people on these one stages at these three conferences, but we really need a thousand more mm-hmm. like quickly. So the more people who can tell everyday stories, the better. I love it. I yes. love that. And I love that what you're working towards is the exact opposite of the scarcity mindset. Like, yes, oh, there's only room for these five influencers to get to be on the stage. Yes. And like that, just to realize for everybody to realize that our stories matter and that we're capable of sharing them is an amazing mm-hmm. thing. And it's why like, it's as silly as it is, it's why Facebook groups work. It's why reviews work. Like we have to, and I think that for some reason we think like, oh, I can't tell my story unless it's perfectly crafted and I'm ready to share it on my new YouTube page. And then I'll be ready, you know? And I'm like, actually, I think you need to think of storytelling like Amazon reviews, like of a product you love, don't you wish there was 7,000 reviews? 
And like 12 of them are bad pictures of women wearing that dress. And you're like, thank you woman that you posted this imperfect thing because now I understand what this is going to be like for me. And I think that we think we need this like really perfect packaged thing to tell better stories, but really we just need mass, like imperfect storytelling. And we just have to know that our stories matter. And then, you know, for in the downstream community and wherever we find ourselves, when that one mom tells that one story of their kid in that one space that might align with you in a way that no one else could. So there's just such a unique marker. Oh, my relationship to down syndrome. I had this amazing gift, uh, like seven years ago now that I got to be Heather's neighbor. (laughs) And I am still sad. We're not neighbors to this day, but it was such an unbelievable gift to live five doors down from Heather. And we became very good friends and I got to watch firsthand the incredible gift that Macy and Aggie are, um, Mm -hmm. to the world, to my kids, to their schools, to our church, to every single place we were a part of. I just thought lucky them, um, that Augie and Macy get to be in their life. And that's how I felt. That's how my kids still feel. I mean, I just feel so wildly thankful for the Down syndrome community and how it's changed my life forever. And I mean, the way that that opens advocacy and ability and communities and structures and organizations and school systems, you know, it's as you both talk about all day, every day, it's very <laughs> life altering to love somebody who is, has all different abilities or experiences. And it changes the way you see systems and structures and the world. So the world. Yeah. It has changed my story. Mm, I love it. Thanks for saying that, Katie. I remember this organization that Katie and my husband worked at together. Katie was there before him. And I remember one of the first days that we showed up, um, Katie's husband at the time was working for a certain brand, um, clothing brand that had kids clothes. And there was like, she had these gifts for each of my kids. And August was, he was like seven months old. He was a tiny button. Mm-hmm. Ch- he wasn't tiny. He was a chunky guy. And, um, and I, I just re- like, remember Katie, like scooping him up and I was like, okay, this is going to be good. You know, mm-hmm. like this is going to be good. And I love that, that like, we talk about a lot of proximity and relationship is so important yeah. and how you weren't looking for it. You know, you weren't looking to be a part of it and yeah. that it came to you and it changes everything, changes yeah. everything. And so that's kind of like with this storytelling thing, <clears throat> we know that we can't be in relationship with every single human being. Yeah. Also, it's exhausting to help people process through that constantly as a person who loves personal down syndrome, depending on who the person is, but what can you do like a high level or you can do specifics? Yeah. (laughs) Like these are the things to look for when you're sharing your story. Um, Yeah. Okay. Like even like, Hey, you, you run into someone in the market and they're like, Oh my gosh, your kid is so cute. What's a, like, how's like a hundred word thing? Does that, that's yeah, very vague. Yeah. So, I mean, vague. we talk about this a lot, but the root word of restore is to restory something. Um, and the root word of destroy is to destory something. So you, as let's say you're listening and you're a parent of a child with special needs, or you're a parent of a child in any, whatever that story is, whatever that looks like, you are in charge of restoring narratives in your life and in your experience for the people listening. So I think that that's, what's huge is like when someone in the grocery store says, Oh, hi, you know, what, you know, what's your son's name or something. Like, I think seeing ourselves as active restoriers really helps. Like I actively get to restory this experience. I actively get to restory the narrative of down syndrome. I actively get to restory the narrative of what that person at the grocery store is thinking. Um, and I think I mean, I tell my clients all the time, the question is not whether or not you're a storyteller. 
So don't, you, it's not like a title. I happen to have mm-hmm. it next to my name because it's on brand, you know, but the truth is 100% of us are storytellers. We are all always telling stories. We are all telling stories about Down syndrome. Before I knew Heather and I wasn't living as inclusively and I of course can continue to do that forever, but I was telling a story by choosing to put my kids in certain schools or Mm. by doing this thing or that thing. Like we are all living and breathing stories. I mean, that's how humans got to where we are today. You know, we tell stories like the oven is hot, don't touch it. And we are constantly doing that. So all of us are always telling stories. So I think that encouragement might just be that what does it look like for you to tell a story where you find a value word in connection with your child? So micro stories are events, macro stories are values. So a micro story might be, um, Heather, you've said this a lot, like the diagnosis day, Mm -hmm. like that a lot of families tell the story over and over and over and over again of the day they found out their child had Down syndrome in utero. And you have pushed the, the envelope in events we've been at together where you've said, you need to tell me a whole story that doesn't include that story. Mm. Um, so we need to think about what's the bigger story here. So like, let's find another moment. Like when your child was included by someone else, when your child was, when they made space for your child, when someone shouted their worth, when your child overcame something incredible, when they learned something new, like what are these incredible value-based stories, like resiliency, hope, joy, equality, those kinds of words in connection with your child, I think is a really helpful part of the process. What's cool is in storytelling, there's always a hero and a mentor. And I think what you guys have done especially well at the Lucky Few pod and foundation and Lucky Few period is that the hero is never you. The hero is always them. Mm -hmm. Um, The hero of the story when you're talking about your child is always the person with Down syndrome. So we get to be mentors or guides or advocates or whatever those things are, but that, 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 that is the actual hero of the story, I think is a really cool part of the process. So maybe I think, I mean, that was all way too much in a deep dive, but I'll come back just to say, number one, make sure that your child is a hero, that it's restoried and that you find a value word to connect to them. So think about your child. What word would you give them? Like mm. resilient, hopeful, filled with joy, peaceful, like like I hear all the time, and especially when I read this is Down syndrome, those stories, I always think, man, what unifiers these people have been in their families. Everyone comes together around these people. Like the stories over and over and over again are like our entire, our family disagrees on everything. What we agree on is we love this child and this child has made us better. Mm-hmm. Like that unifying force is a great restory. Like, yeah, our family was kind of divisive and annoyed until Sean was born. Mm. And now like we get to be together and unified and find hope. And like, there's so many things like that where it's like, okay, now I can come up with this value word that other people can come into and understand, even if they don't have the same experience as me. I love, I love all of this. Mm -hmm. I love this idea of restoring. And, you know, I think some of the things that I've encountered online is that there are so many, especially moms that, that I come across in the Down syndrome spaces who want to tell their stories and they feel limited by writing ability or presence online or even just like ability to have any influence. And they're sort of like, you know, if thousands of people aren't listening to me, then I'm not really somebody who does this. Yeah. What would you say to just, just your any normal mom out there who's like, my story is worth telling. Yeah. Maybe I'm not super savvy or maybe uh-huh. I don't want to put all the energy into being, having a platform online. Totally. 
Mm-hmm. What, what can they do? What does this mean for them? Yeah. Good. First and foremost, it is, it's hard to believe, but the most transformative stories are told around dinner tables. So if you're waiting for like a stage and 10,000 people, that's fine. You might get that, but it is not as transformative <laughs> as if you can sit across from someone at a dinner table and tell that story. Actual transformation and influence happens in relationship, which is what you guys talk about all day long. And that is where storytelling is very important. And I I know that for some of us, we don't feel like, oh, well, you know, my my husband doesn't want to hear this story again. That's who I eat dinner with, you know, or my mom knows. So whatever. But really, the truth is that when we can tell better stories around dinner tables at coffee shops over breakfast, you know, for drinks, whatever that looks like, telling those stories over and over and over again, that is the most authentic and transformative platform. Then from there, I think I would just ask myself the question, whose story am I comparing myself to? Because if you start to think, I don't have enough influence, I don't have this thing, I don't have that words, I don't have that way of speaking, I don't have that, I don't have that, all of those things are born out of comparison. So when you start to think, instead, who am I in front of? And what am I good at? And for some people that is gonna be writing. They are gonna write blogs and a hundred people will read them or five people will read them. And for some people it's podcasting because they're better verbal storytellers. And for some people it's Instagram captions for their 90 private followers on Instagram. And that is wonderful. Like that is not to be dismissed. It is valuable, it is important. All of us are always story seeking. We're like starving for stories. And when we realize that we get to contribute and like bring our loaf of bread to the table and see it like that, we can kind of start to undo all of that pressure. Um, Because for so many of us, we're like, oh, I just gotta wait until I have this like perfectly curated thing and an audience. Mm. You know, it's like, okay, that's, yeah, let me know. Cause then maybe in five years, you'll tell one story instead of for the next five years telling 500. Mm. Um, And that's much more valuable. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I think that was the answer is how you see when people decide to step into scarcity instead of stepping into that storytelling, you know, and owning Mm -hmm. it and how that affects story overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think when, especially in the society we're living in, like, you know, we're comparing our own stories to like Oscar winning films, right? (laughs) You know, like we're like, well, it's not like that. And I'm like, that had $10 million a day to be made. You know, people worked for five years on that. Like we're like, we aren't even in the same world, like, or it's even like influencers or people we see, you know, which you, you get this all the time, Heather, like people like, oh, it must be all, you know, rosy. You're like, I'm constantly sharing that. It's not rosy. Like, I don't know how you're getting that narrative back. Um, but we really do have this feeling like if I, if I'm not like this or have that or do that, then my story isn't worth sharing. And that word worth really has to be undone because we have to start to see like, we are starving for stories, your lack or your inability to tell a story because of your comparative nature is, is making me hungry. Mm. You know, like I, I am lacking because Mm. you didn't tell your story. The scarcity is the reverse. Yeah. The scarcity is that we need more stories and when we can tell them, I mean, just the better we are. Yeah. That's so good. Such a good reminder. Yeah. There's never a moment in our humanity where we're like, that's enough. I mean, sometimes right. when my kids are talking, I'm like, okay, everyone stop. <laughs> right. But, but you know, it's never like you wake up yes. and you're like, well, I've maxed out on stories. Right. I mean, it's, so, it's just such a connective tissue yes. with humans. And mm-hmm. 
And when you look at it the way that you're laying it out, Katie, that it's not, we're not trying to write an Oscar right. um, award-winning movie. We're just, just show up and restore the thing. I think that restore mm-hmm. word too, this is hopping back a little bit with the down syndrome story specifically. Yeah. And, it, and I know that this is for all people's stories, but that idea of restoring mm-hmm. the story and the opportunity that we have as parents or caregivers or um, even people with Down syndrome that are listening, you know, that are, who our audience is, the opportunity we have to restore something, yeah, stepping into our ownership role in that. Yeah. Uh, it's so powerful. It's yeah. so powerful and beautiful. So what are some things, can you give our listeners like a tangible Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, if you don't believe that your story is powerful, no one else will. Ooh, that's good. Um, So like whatever the story that you're going to tell, the rough draft is currently alive in your brain, in your heart. Um, Mm. So the story you're telling yourself is the very first thing you should definitely write. So the story that you're telling yourself about your experience of your child with Down syndrome or someone you love with Down syndrome, the things you fear, the things you're feeling, the things you're worried about, until you can see that story as powerful, then no one else will. Um, so you have to begin with, wow, I, I am an active restorer. I get mm. to be a part of a bigger story. I get to be an advocate or I get to change the world. I get to see a world where my loved one has a better experience. I get to shout their worth. I get to do all, <clears throat> all of these things. And kind of seeing that first and foremost is probably the biggest hurdle because for a lot of people, they're like, nobody cares. It's a Wednesday. Mm. Everyone's asleep in the car. I'm tired. And that's also true. Sure. But that's also true for you both. And you have large platforms. So, you know, you both have days where you're like, you know, what would be great if we hide in, in a cave and we never tell a story again. Yep. (laughs) Um, and that you, every, you have both felt that I know all, all of my clients have, no matter how big their big or small, their platforms are, we all have days where we're like, I don't really want to tell any stories anymore because I don't want to be in front of anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and all of those feelings are right, true, and valid, but I think it really is just one day at a time sharing more restorative stories as much as we can with the people that we love, especially at family parties and birthday parties and in classroom settings and in IEPs, you know, and all of these worlds that we find ourselves in to kind of become a better storyteller. I just, what you're saying about the close relationships in your life, especially as being the places where you are restoring, I... I was just thinking about something really beautiful that happened on Friday last week at my house because a couple of weeks ago, my neighbor who has Down syndrome, who lives in the co-housing community down the block from us, co-home, he knocked on my door because a year ago when I ran into him on the street and he's in his 20s, he was like, I want to hang out with Ace. And I was like, I would love for you to hang out with Ace but we got to be careful because of COVID. So he knocked on my door two weeks ago. He was like, COVID's better. And I'm here. Oh my gosh. And I was like, let's do this, buddy. So he's, he's coming every Friday. Stop it. No way. And play with him. Oh, this is, I'm so envious right now. (laughs) So we had, we had to have a big talk about like, first you need to have, before I'm going to pay you, you need some babysitting training. Yes. um, But the, the great thing that I think was really special is that that day, my 13, almost 14 year old son had his best friend over and his girlfriend, which he, wow. Wow. This is another episode. More. I know. But they're all in the entry and our neighbor shows up. Wow. And Ace is there. And I'm just looking at these two kids who are great kids. 
hanging out at my house and we all have a conversation with our neighbor and and they are standing in this hallway having a conversation with a little six-year-old with down syndrome and a 25 year old with down syndrome amazing and i was like what a transformative moment for them absolutely like how often are they going to get to have this in their lives and mm -hmm. maybe they'll be part of our lives for a long time these two kids but maybe not maybe this is just a mm -hmm. moment in their lives when they're at our house mm -hmm. but we have those moments all the time mm -hmm. yeah and it can be so powerful for them to even you know i didn't share my story in that moment but they're getting to see it lived out mm -hmm. totally and it's that's amazing it's transforming their lives mm -hmm. and that's a perfect example of like seeing a story played out in person. And then when you, so I think one of the, the things we forget all the time is that we have to say what happened, even sometimes to people who were there. Hmm. Like, so we like re, like restoring for your kids sometimes looks like you saying to your 13 year old, like, Hey, wasn't that crazy that when your friends were here, so did our neighbor. And now the story of down syndrome continues to grow. Hmm. Now the ripple effect continues to grow. And just by you, like giving a recap you actually narrate what happened. And I've seen that over and over again. Like when with my, our kids, you know, if someone's left out afterwards, like it's like, Hey, remember when that person was left out? Yeah. Did your heart hurt a little bit? Like, did you look over and see that? And I think that re-narrating of these like really meaningful moments, like you're going to tell that story, you know, for you. what's cool is they're the perfect age, you mm. know, like that 12, 13, 14, like they're like, man, I guess the world is like this. Mm. Thank God that they think that now, you know, like mm -hmm. yeah. I could not be more grateful that now they're like, oh, I'm sure every kid who has Down syndrome has someone who comes over and reads to them and like hangs out with them who also has Down syndrome, you know, like that their brain like is forming in these like blocks yeah. and like, oh, wow, great. Yeah. Um, and I think that as we kind of re-narrate that and experience that it's so huge. And now we get to hear those stories and think like, man, when I was a tween, I never saw anyone with Down syndrome ever. Mm -hmm. um, and what a loss, like mm -hmm. that, like why? you know, and all of those. Yeah. That's such a great story. I love that. Oh man. Mike, I love that. Okay. Katie, can you, so I love that story, Micah. I mean, my heart is bursting with that story and I wish that you were my neighbor and I was in that. I like, I've been to your home. I can yeah. picture the space and I'm like, yeah. there, there was room for me in that little, there was that totally little spot. room for you there. <laughs> I needed to be there, but I'm so Come happy on. for you. This is oh, so good. Katie, do you, can you think of a time like your most formative story around Down syndrome? Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, I was a youth group kid and we would go on week long trips during spring break. And you like went to Mexico or all different to places to serve. There's a lot of this now, you know, that I feel weird about, but right. we, it was my good, experience. Yeah. You're in good yeah. company. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, there's some of that there. I just want to honor and acknowledge. Um, I wasn't doing a ton of work overseas in case you're wondering. Um, but one of the places that we went was called Rainbow Acres in Arizona. And it is a beautiful, huge, long-term live-in facility for people with Down syndrome. It's a working ranch. And we would stay there for the week. Um, and I went when I was a freshman in high school at 14 and we arrived at like 9 p.m. And I had literally had zero experience of people with Down syndrome in my entire life until we arrived at Rainbow Acres. Like, I mean, I remember seeing kids in other classrooms, but I don't have much other memory than that. And we arrived at 9 PM and the bus doors opened and I walked out to like 10 adult men with Down syndrome greeting me. And I was a 14 year old girl in high school. And I was like, hi. 
And they're like, I mean, some are yelling, like some are holding toys. People are yelling, you made it. Like, <laughs> I mean, and I just, I remember feeling like so overwhelmingly, like I don't know how to exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. what to do. And honestly, I mean, and honestly, honestly, I was scared. Like, yeah. I just felt like so worried. That was Monday. Um, we stayed there for a full week on Friday. We got to take the ranchers in our bus to the circus. Like <laughs> a circus was in town. Okay. In like the most, the most remote part of Arizona, if that word even exists, but I need you to know we were many, many miles from a grocery store. Okay. And we <laughs> went to this like super eerie circus and 20 ranchers and 20 teens. Okay. So this is 20 to 20. That's the ratio. And I, I remember at the end of that night, like my face hurt from laughing and I, it was, it's truly to this day, one of the best memories that I, like, I, I, I think about how I felt going to bed. Like I think about how, okay. At one point I rode an elephant with a rancher, like the two of us <laughs> together. And she was like a little bit bigger, Crying. like in her mid fifties. Okay. And I had my arms around her waist yes. and the two of us just like rode this elephant together. And the circus was super creepy. Like at one point there was a woman on a tightrope who was wearing just a thong. And she was like looping, and all the ranchers were like, wear underwear, like butts, butts, butts. And it's exactly what all of us teenagers are thinking. Right. You're 100% right. All of us are just thinking, like, I can see that woman's whole butt. And, but there's, <laughs> and just how transformative that experience was for me. And, and so I went back every year, and I mean, for 10 years after that. Um, but it was so formative for me to remember that Monday night to Friday night experience mm-hmm. and how much my, in four days, my experience, my opinions changed. And I became pen pals with this guy named Bill. And we wrote back and forth for a while. And like, it's just those kinds of things that really like have shaped me forever and are really meaningful. Yeah. Oh, that is such a good story, Katie. I'm like over here crying (laughs) good tears while you're saying that, but I, that made me think of, um, we say all the time, you can't know what you don't know. Yes. And you can't fault people, right? Like you cannot fault a 14 year old girl for feeling so scared a bit around people with down syndrome. If she doesn't know, you can't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that is such a huge piece of storytelling too. Like if you know, because you had that experience, but if we continue to share our stories and we continue to share our, our everyday lives and we continue to share our kids with the world, more people will know. Yes. And when you know, then you, you know, know better, do better. These are all little cliche things that are just so true. It's yes. just so true. And it changes things. It changes, mm-hmm. it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. Okay, Katie. So as we're starting to wrap up the conversation, I, I would imagine that listeners are feeling really inspired and they're like, okay, as soon as this is done, I'm ready. And then they're going to hang up and they're going to be like, oh, what do I do? So do you have like uh, some tangible next steps for people who are just like inspired and ready to start getting their story down? Yeah. So first and foremost, do not get tripped up on like, where do I even begin? Do not think chronologically, think impact. So think what is one moment in my life with my child with Down syndrome that was so impactful to me, to someone else, anywhere that I just remember or has impacted me. Start there with that narrative. Do not start with like in night in 2014 at the hospital of this, my child was born. Start with it on Wednesday, we were walking to lunch. So start there. Then I, I suggest to my clients all the time to start with a one page word document. A one page word document is usually about five minutes. 
Um, and that is a great place to start because five minutes can be condensed easily into one minute or ex expand easily to 10 minutes. But if you start with like writing a novel, it's very hard to make it shorter. Um, so a one page, just tell the whole story as best as you can in one page, sit down and try to write it out. And then once you can kind of write it out once, then try to cut it in half. That's kind of my encouragement for people. It's, it's tricky to do. It's really hard to cut out words, but for, for most of us, it really does just take writing it out once reading it out loud and then cutting the parts where we think, oh, wait, I don't need that. I don't need that. And then you can kind of have this little condensed micro story. I love that. Do you have kind of a, for people who are like, I don't even know how to sit down and write one page document. Yeah. I've done it for 20 years since college. Yeah. Like what, are there certain questions that you encourage people to ask themselves or answer for themselves when they sit down to do this? Yeah. And I think that also just depends on if you enjoy writing versus speaking. And I think a lot of us have different feelings on that, but for a lot of my clients, the first thing I encourage them to do is just do a voice memo. Hmm. So just like tell the story to your phone and pretend that someone's in the chair. Um, then you can voice note that you can literally tr voice transcribe it. And then you have your one page document. It's done. Just, okay. just voice note it. And then that, that now you have a rough draft. At least you have a place to start. And then for other people who are like, this is all just too overwhelming. I truly don't know where to begin. I would say, think through the shortest, like create it, create one sentence. I have been changed by my child with down syndrome because I love that. And now you have a prompt. You can write it out. Um, I think the world needs to know about down syndrome blank. Okay. Um, I used to think blank about down syndrome and now I think blank. Um, and I think those simple prompts can really start to say, oh, wow, I did used to think this, but now I think this, how did that switch happened? What happened? What changed? What'd you overcome? What'd you experience? Um, and that will really help the story process. And then as somebody has this and they're sitting there and they're like, okay, I did it. I have it written down. I have a, a story to tell. What, how do you start to transform your own moments out and about in the world to re remind yourself, hey, I've got a story to tell or in your relationships as you're sitting down for the first coffee with a new friend from school and they say, tell me about your family. Is there, how do you, help people go from, I wrote this down. I thought about it. Now I want to be able to tell this story. Well, yeah. I mean, all of us have differing spheres of influence, but all of us have influence. So every single one of us is truly an influencer. You know, when we start to see, realize that and see like, I'm an influencer in my child's school, I'm an influencer in my two and a half year old. So I think thinking through, okay, wh where does this story want to be born? That's a weird question, but for some of my clients, it's like, oh, I just want to post this on Facebook or, oh, I just want to read this on my Instagram stories or, oh, I just want to write a blog. I think I want to start blogging um, or I just want to leave this as a review on the Lucky Few podcast or I just want to write this one thing down and share it. I think you can kind of start to think through that. Um, but everyday personal storytelling, like at a coffee shop, um, I think that really does just start with thinking about what value word you want to make sure comes across. So if that's just something like, okay, at this, I want to make sure that whenever I talk about my child with Down syndrome, I talk about joy. So every time someone says, how is this thing? Like, I want to remind them of the joy that it is, or I want to talk about resiliency, or I want to talk about inclusivity. Um, and when you can kind of connect those words, it helps you restory a little bit better, you know, because then you don't end up accidentally saying like, it's fine. She's in second grade. She wears purple. I don't, I mean, it's been long. It's a long day. We went to soccer. 
Right. You know, which like, also that's true. I get that. Don't worry. It's not that every story has to be perfect, but it will just help you say like, she's playing soccer. She's on a soccer team. And it's been really cool to see the other players grow and expand and open their minds to all different types of people. Hmm. That's great. That's great. Okay. We're kind of coming to the end, but Katie, is there anything else that you want to make sure you share with our listeners today? Something you haven't gotten to say yet? I mean, I know that you probably know this if you're listening, but your story matters and it's incredibly important that you tell it. And I, I mean that with urgency. So I think that there, every single special needs mom that I have met, I have been shaped by, um, and I have been shaped by their story and I have been shaped by their realities and I've been shaped by how I parent. And so as a mother of neurotypical children, I just feel this like, Oh, I need to, I need to know your story. I want to know what's happening. Like you are an important part of my life and my journey. And it's really shaped how I see the world. And so whatever those stories are, whatever that feels like, whatever that sounds like for you, it does not need to be perfect or polished or clean. It's just, um, I think openness. Mm -hmm. So I think it's less about perfection and more about openness and letting other people into that journey and into your story by just talking about the realities and then restoring it. So I just want to encourage them that their story matters and it's important and I can't wait to hear it. It's beautiful. I'm excited. And we're so thankful that we got to have you before we let you go. We always have, as our favorite part of the episode, good news. And I kind of already shared my good news today about having our neighbor over. Yes. But, yes. But I would love to know from you, Katie, as someone on the Lucky Few Foundation board, if there's a story that you can share with us about some good news you see happening um, within the foundation or just like what you've been able to experience so far. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the good news is the impact I've seen. So, uh, Gracie's fifth birthday party was last June and Heather came and, um, I had a bunch of her books and different, and somehow I gave one to like random kid from Gracie's school. I don't know how this all happened, but it, you know, it's a kid's birthday party. It's complete chaos. You know, there's like pinatas yes, and yes. people are screaming long story short, uh, like people got books and I don't even really remember how I think that they were like near the door. But one of Gracie's friends who's six, she's five. I was with her and her mom. And the six-year-old said, my friend, Macy. And I was like, oh, who's Macy? And the mom was like, no, Gracie's friend, Macy. And I was like, my Macy? And she was like, yeah, different. She's different. A great thing to be. And I literally <laughs> just was like, my brain wanted to explode. You know, I like, I wanted, to, I was like, this is, I can't believe that it worked like this, like a story like that. Mm. Like she really does identify Macy as her friend and she was at our birth, her birthday party. So she played with her, you know, so that makes sense. Yeah. There was like a connection yeah. there, but then not only did she play with her, but she went home and got a story about her. Wow. Um, and now that she has the story about her, that she reads at bed at supposedly all the time, somehow her like chance meeting of Macy at my kid's birthday party has led to this different view. And so we, yeah, it just was like, this is mind blowing. This is, this is good news that, yeah. you know, yeah. Your friend Macy is what I said. Yep. Mm -hmm. Your friend Macy, like, and there is going to be a lot of people in your life who are a lot like Macy and how do we embrace different, a great thing to be. So it was such a wonderful day. Oh, getting me all choked up over here. Mm -hmm. it's so good. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, we are so grateful to have had you here, Katie, and it's time to wrap up. So I want to say thanks to Josh Avis for editing this episode. 
Yes, Josh, for Val Schleter for producing it beautifully as mm-hmm. usual. If you like this episode, share it with family and friends. Don't forget to subscribe and check out the luckyfewpodcast.com for show notes and all the things we talked about today. Be sure to follow the Lucky Few Pod. And also, if you haven't followed the Lucky Few Foundation yet, mm-hmm. I think it's the Lucky Few dot Foundation, right, Katie? Mm-hmm. Okay, so go make sure you're following that on Instagram too. And um, listener, this is just a reminder. You're slaying it. We love you. Mm-hmm. We're cheering you on. We can't wait to be together next week. So bye, Katie. Bye. Bye, everybody. We'll see you next time. That's okay. I didn't even know we started recording. I never heard you say that. And so I literally had no idea what's happening in the beginning. Oh no, we are. Um, we've been, re- this is the podcast. <laughs> no, now I know. In the opening. In the opening. You've been bringing your A game.